Hey guys, this is Greg with the Grindline Podcast, and I am here to talk to you about DraftKings. With mobile betting now live in Michigan, it has never been easier to get in on the action and make those games mean just a little bit more. All you have to do is set your lineup, sit back, and watch your games. It's that simple. DraftKings has paid out over $7 billion, that's billion with a B, to users across all sports. So work on filling that wallet today with DraftKings. Download the DraftKings app and sign up using code THPN. New users will get a free entry with their first deposit. That's code THPN to get a free entry with your first deposit. Only at DraftKings. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Well, it is June 22nd. We are here on a little late Tuesday instead of recording on a Monday. But I am here with Ryan and Tyler tonight. Um, Two in a as, row. As a warning, Tyler will sound like he's recording from a laundromat because he has air conditioning that sounds like it was built in 1983 and it's apparently hot in Boston. So, is that a window unit? Is that what we got going on here? Yeah, it's a window. You know, it's muggy as fuck here. It's you don't ridiculous. have central. You don't have central air. No, I live in a house that was built in uh, Lord knows when. I have no idea. But yeah, that'll yeah. do it. No, I do not have central air. I wish I did. Um, but this is what revolution? we're going with right now. <laughs> yeah, did like the people who Paul founded Revere's America house? stay at your house? <laughs> Paul Revere. No, mm-hmm. it's it's not that old, but it's you know it's it's older. Uh, well, um, it's but yes, anyways, uh, it is muggy here, even though it's saying it's only 74 degrees here, but it feels a lot hotter than that if you go like downstairs in my house and even outside. So not great. So far, we have established that Tyler is hot and his house is old, which is weird. It shouldn't be hotter downstairs than it is upstairs because heat rises. But that's besides the point. It has nothing to do with hockey. So this is uh, discussion today is part two. Of our draft profiles, we're going to cover the three prospects that we didn't cover on part one, two of which uh, we think will could be available at six, and one that will be available, well, could be available around 22, where our second first-round pick is. And I think we're going to start, though, with a, an interesting question that was just literally 20 minutes ago posed to us on Twitter. MLive put out an article that uh, says, long-time Red Wings Darren Helm, Valtteri Filippola face uncertain future. And I quote tweeted it and said, one thing is certain, they won't be in Detroit. Uh, this is where your life's being threatened. Or your yeah, ability to yeah, walk, uh, I should say. Australia is threatening to throw me off a bridge. <laughs> but we were asked by Top 5 for Fighting, best guess, how many current wings do you expect to not be wings next season? Less than five or more than five? Active roster on opening night. So, I thought about it and i would say probably not counting um broma and juice who already said they're leaving i wouldn't count them how many do we do we not know of now or are we not certain of that will be gone and i think my guess is exactly five and looking at the looking at cap friendly if you take out juice and you take out broma you've got i would say Nemesikov will most likely get picked up by Seattle. I that see that is how it's looking at this point. At least that's the yeah. rumor mill. Uh, Nemesikov or Smith, depending on who's not protected. So that's one. 
you've got Svechnikov, which God, if he he needs to be signed. And well, time out. Are you including? Are are you using Domestikov or Smith as a, a mutual thing, or are we looking at like an age group of? Certain, what do you mean? Like twenty seven, twenty eight, and above, or just anyone? That's no, these are just like players expiring. that we don't think will be on the team next season. How yeah. many? So yeah. I'm gonna say, and not including Broman Juice because they're already given. Yeah, they don't count. Yeah, I'll go either Nemesnikov or Smith, but not both. I will say Valtteri Filippo will be gone. Alex Biega will be gone. I will say that uh, Gagne will probably be gone. And I I don't think Svechnikov's going to make it. And that's five. And I can't see... Actually, you know what? Let me take that back. If Svechnikov makes it, it will be because Franz Nielsen's been bought out. I got seven. Hmm. Seven? Wow. I got seven. Who are your Nielsen seven? Gets, Nielsen gets bought out. Nemesnikov gets picked up in the expansion draft. Sam Gagne leaves in free agency. Um, Darren Helm and Valtteri Filippola both leave. Alex Biega leaves and Mark Stahl leaves. Okay, you don't think Stahl's coming back? I don't think so because I think there's probably better options out there um, defensively than him. He played his way into a, a veteran minimum contract somewhere. I, yeah, I, well, I think he played yeah, like his way with into a, a veteran minimum team. here. Yeah, yeah. Well, that well, too. That too. I mean, and he said they've tied preliminary talks that Stevie's just not making any decisions because he doesn't know how the expansion's going to go and he doesn't know how free agency's going to go or anything, but... Right. I, I could see Mark Stahl back on a one to two year contract for real, yeah. real cheap. I'd be fine with it. I'm, I'm, that, that's not really my opinion. I just, I mean, I think that there's better options out there. Uh, are you saying better options for him or better options for us? Both. I'm not sure there's better options for us. I think there is. And you know, the reason I'll say why is because there is going to be a lot of movement in this year. Uh, especially before the trade deadline or sorry, before the expansion draft and after the expansion draft during the real draft, probably even after that, there's going to be a lot of movement throughout the league. There's a lot of, you know, teams that are still recovering financially from the whole COVID situation. There's the cap. That's not going to be moving, but, but no, seriously, (laughs) I mean, there's a, there's a lot of different moving parts as the expansion draft and, you know, I mean, there's there's teams that are kind of teetering on a rebuild. Like, what is Boston going to do? There's teams like that that still have some assets. Yeah, Hopefully yeah, I mean, fail miserably. I agree with you. But th- then there's other situations like San Jose that's been j- just trying to hang on to the police's pieces that they have are they going to go into a rebuild what's washington going to do i mean there's a lot of teams right now that are kind of teetering whether they're on that are we going to rebuild are we going to retool on the fly which we've seen from from experience doesn't work as well okay ryan what's your number uh let's see i'm going with the buyout but i'm not going to commit to nevastikov okay so I'm thinking it'll they'll go younger if they do. If if Smith's taken, then I'll, I'll I'll jump on the bandwagon. So I'll save Vlad for the sake of this conversation. I think Helm's gone, so that's my two. Philpel is gone. I see the ba- buyout of Nielsen happening to open up a roster spot. That's four. Viega is the easy one. I think we can cheat there more or less. Yep, that's five. I think that's I think that's it. 
So we're both set at five. Stall, I, stall. I can so over under on. five, basically. Then. Yeah, they asked over under five. I think we're yes. at five. Push. I'm a little over, but yeah. I uh, and I could see. I mean, and I could easily because this off season is so uncertain. Go higher. I don't think I see it going any lower. No uh, lower than low, five. I could see the under simply to field a team, but I think that because of how much or how many roster spots are available, and the fact that there's 48 million. One hundred fifty thousand and two hundred seventy-seven dollars in cap space. I see that those roster spots probably going into a trade sure. to take on somebody, whether it be right before the expansion or just after it. Sure, but I don't see any. My thing so, is, I don't see any less than five. I can't no, I don't see. Th- I don't think I, you can. This kind of dawned on me yesterday watching a baseball game. Yeah, funny, right? Looking at these UFAs, it's like it's crazy to see Ovechkin's thirty-five, Getzlaff is thirty-six. I mean. Even a guy like Taylor Hall's twenty nine. Like, where the hell does time go? And I, I don't understand. Um, <laughs> players play and they get old and then they die. Do I need to play the circle of life? That's just what happens, Tyler. We're just you. You don't. You're. We're young. We don't, haven't really gone through a major, I guess, retirement of the players we've seen play for a really long time. I mean, I'm thirty one. So yeah, I'm 26. You so. you figure if a, if a player has a 15 year career, I was 15 when they came into the league probably, and now they're probably close to retiring or or going to retire, and that's where you say, wow, I watched this guy since he was a rookie and I was 15 that's- years old, and play all the way until he retires. We haven't really had any. Our generation really hasn't had any players like that. Well, we saw Dats- We saw the Datsuk Zetterberg. Uh, we obviously, I didn't see the entire Lidstrom, you know, situation, but I saw the Datsuk, the Zetterberg, and the Franzen, you know, I mean, all those sure. guys, Cronwall, but I all mean, those like, guys are gone. But I mean, like, since we were in our, in our teens, like, we were right. really, really young when, like, Datsuk came into the league, and you're not going to have a lot of really vivid memories of rookie Datsuk playing, but... I was 10 when they won that. That first cup after all those years. Yeah, but I mean, you're going to remember more from when you're 13, 14, 15 years old. Now, the 2002 team, I remember more than 97, 98. I was too yeah. young for those. So but, that's yeah. that's what's happening is your guys are going to be retiring that you've seen their whole career uh, and can remember their whole career. And that's what's kind of crazy is getting to that point. But yeah, Well, Jacob deGrom is 33 years old somehow. I'm, I, I looked at that yesterday. I'm like, that's not really? right, is it? He's 33 years old. He's the best pitcher oh. in baseball right now, but he's already over the hill, which is just, that's... Eh, Tyler is slowly trying to turn our podcast into a baseball podcast, and it's not going to work. It's <laughs> no, not I'm not. Work. I promise I'm not. nothing right now. <laughs> I'm, watching, I'm watching Brian Burke and Lou Lamarillo on my TV, okay? Oh, gosh. oh boy. NHL Network, probably. No, NBC, but... Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Uh, soon to be gone. They'll be fine. They've got their auto auctions, but but to answer the question, to answer the question, me and Ryan both say five. We're going with the push or higher. Uh, Tyler says six, or did you say yeah. seven? I I initially Tyler's said seven, seven, but I roll it back yeah. to six. Okay, you're going so, six. Okay. So Tyler Tyler's gonna roll back to six, and I, I think that's where we're at. But I don't think there's any way for them to get under five and that's including like bobby ryan coming back 
If Bobby Ryan yeah, I think we doesn't all made come, yeah. If Bobby Ryan doesn't come back, then you're at six. See, I think if Ryan comes back, I see Gagne also coming back. I don't know. I think you you need a spot because you there's a very good chance that someone like Bergeron makes it out of camp, or, yeah. or Raymond shocks really lucky, the world. It's Raymond and Bergeron. Sure, and I don't think that's going to happen. I think that's a super super long shot, but it, it could. And nothing is impossible. And then you need two spots. So that's where it gets a little tricky. But I don't know. Gagne is 30. Bobby Ryan's 34. Gagne is 31. But Bobby Ryan showed a lot more. He's got a lot more left in his actual game. Probably than the off night Sam Gagne gets a hat trick. Right? But that was the question that was posed to us. And basically i'm like oh so darren hum and terry Philpola face uncertain future now this the future as a red wing is pretty certain for them i don't see any reason to bring either of them back i see they Helm both more suck. over Philpola. i think sure. that one is a is a better it has i think that one has more than a 50 percent chance of happening sure uh, but i don't wait you think helm coming back has more than a 50 percent chance of happening i would say yeah I wouldn't give it more than a 20% chance. Yeah, I don't think he's I'm not ruling it out until it actually happens. I, because he is still serviceable. And you don't have to rule it out, but you can't say it's 50-50. I think it is. I don't know. I, would, I think Yeah, but even a guy like Giovanni can, Smith needs a, needs a spot I, on this team. I think that Helm would end up being one of the guys that's the odd man out more often than not but he's going to provide that veteran depth presence that the team will need by chance if somebody's getting hurt. Funny that you say you, you would think Helm is the odd man out in that situation because there was a quote in this article from Jeff Blaschel. Oh, geez. Oh, where boy. Jeff Blaschel says, I'll go back a year ago. Darren Helm sat in my office going into game one and was going to be a healthy scratch. Coach Jeff Blaschel said after the season finale, he took that and listened to it and probably didn't agree with it and went to work. There was an injury, and he ended up playing. I really never considered healthy scratching him since that time. So, great, works hard, but you can't tell me that after the game you put Darren Hellman, you never thought about healthy scratching him again? Never. It never crossed your mind to say, wow, Darren Helm missed five breakaway goals in a row, but I'm not going to healthy scratch him. Or Darren Helm turned over this puck three times this game, but I don't think I'm going to healthy scratch him and put someone like Svechnikov or Giovanni Smith. In. That to me is ridiculous. Yeah. I don't rule anything out anymore. He says, Darren's got incredible work ethic, incredible care level. Nobody looks at the information we give our players more than Darren Helm, pre-scouts, videos, all that stuff. He wants to know everything. He's an excellent pro. He's got unbelievable routine. He goes through every game and that's why he's had longevity. I would he said the same thing about so many other players that I feel like this is just Jeff Blaschel reading off his script of nice things to say about my guys. Keeping like, it positive after the year? Sure, but I, I, I've heard the same thing said about Dylan Larkin. I've heard the same thing said about Luke Glendening. I've heard the same I mean, thing... I Honestly, those are two bad comparisons to make. No, but I've heard the same... Because that's legit to a T. And I, I don't think that saying that about Helm is that far off, minus the fact that the skill level has severely gone away. Sure, I, you can be fast, but if you're fast and nothing else, then that doesn't matter. No, he's lost a step. That, I think this is... Starts, um, but I, I don't think that he... His offensive ability has, has not changed the last several years, but 
I think that he's still been one of the harder workers out there to the quote that you're making a comment on. Okay, I, I get it. But still, I've heard almost the exact same words come out of his mouth about other players. Uh, yeah. So, I, I just, mm-hmm. he can't say nobody looks at the information we give our players more than Darren Helm when you've said that same thing about three other players. At that point, you're just trying to find nice things to say. Yeah, I don't know. And you can't just say nothing, I guess. To go on about Philpola, he said Val's been a real good player in this league and has been a real good Red Wing at different points. <laughs> Notice he didn't say this season. The early <laughs> part of his career, he was an excellent Red Wing for a long time. And then he said Val did go a long stretch without playing. That's not easy, especially when you're somebody who has played with the longevity that he has played. What he did on a daily basis was come in and work uh, and be a good example to the young players. He didn't do it for me. He did it for the team and for himself. And he really did play his best hockey at the end of the year. Great. You played your best hockey in garbage time. So it that goes on to say Blaschel says Val is toast. So... And we kind of knew he was going to be gone because Philpola was kind of old. He did bring much to the table. I mean, it's not the towards Val Philpola that Except for towards the end with Verona. Right, in garbage time with good players. And, I mean, you know, like I said before, the Philpola... I said this on the podcast when we got Philpola. It's not the Philpola that, you know, no. that left Detroit the first time for no. Tampa Bay. You know, it's a totally different player at the end of his career, basically, so... I think Phil's gone. He's he's paid his due. He got his cup. Unfortunately, I think it's time to send him out to pasture. Oh God! I I also <laughs> think he, I wouldn't rule him out being one of those guys that just goes ends up playing in Finland for another ten years or five years or whatever. I don't know. Um, Ryan's plan is to kill him. Apparently, <laughs> like send him out back like old Yeller. Is that what we're gonna do? Like the horse that lost the race. I mean, I'm not going to say yes or no. Oh, man. Yeah, right. Brutal. Will. Brutal. And I guess we're going to... There's no <laughs> way... Kidding, to, of course. Kidding, of course. There's right? no way to transition that into prospect talk. So I guess my transition... Sure there is. My transition... was a big prospect. No. Uh, no. My tra- <laughs> I guess my transition is these are the guys that could be taking their spots. So we talked about Kent Johnson, Fabian Lysel, and Luke Hughes last week. This week... We are going to be talking about oh, Mason. timeout. I know this is completely off base, but the Detroit Pistons just got the number one pick in the NBA lottery. Did you just interrupt me for basketball news? A, a, a Detroit team just won a draft lottery. Oh, uh, man. That, that, that means good things are coming. Too bad it wasn't a team that I care about. <laughs> well, like, I'm sorry. I, this is a, I was excited. I, I wasn't expecting. Who's even the first overall pick this year? I don't know. Does anyone know? The basketball I have no idea. Basketball either. guy number two. <laughs> no, I don't like basketball either. Basketball. So. I like basketball. Oh, I don't like the NBA. Maybe. Based off the Twitter reactions, it's a good player. Basketball Jones, right? It's got to be basketball Jones. That's an old school. I love Detroit Pistons tweet though about it three minutes ago. Like they just smacked the their face on a keyboard. <laughs> that, was, that was pretty solid. <laughs> That's how uh, like the Red Wings would deactivate their Twitter account if they got the first overall pick. Like they wouldn't be. Yeah, we'll it. see you guys in a couple of years. <laughs> um, so yeah, I guess great, good for the Pistons. Cool. Anyway, sorry about that. So yeah. we're gonna talk about the next great Red Wing. <laughs> and we've got tonight uh, Mason McTavish, Chaz Lucius, and Sebastian Casa. And we're going to go over, we got, again, great quotes. Thanks to uh, Chris, Will, uh, Tony, and Dylan. 
from our various sources to talk about these prospects. And we also put together our notes on it. And I think we're going to start with one that I, get, I think I'm more excited about than everyone. And if you were paying attention, we just released his card on Monday. And that is Mason McTavish. So Mason Metavish, and I'll go over his EP stuff real quick. He's a six foot two, two hundred and seven pound center who played for an organization we should all know in the Peterborough Peets. Who was our last best player to come for the Peterborough Peets, Ryan? Yes, Steve Eiserman. Steve Eiserman. <laughs> Steve Eiserman came from the Peterborough Peets. Oh wait, he was a center too, right? Is that is that what he said? <laughs> So yeah, I think so. That guy, yeah, you know, we, we cut him a couple of years ago. <laughs> so Mason McTavish is Swiss. He was born in Zurich, Switzerland. He is ranked anywhere. Now this is where I, I Swiss struggle. Canadian, Greg. Swiss Canadian. I struggle. His place of birth just says Zurich, Switzerland. That makes him Swiss. He plays for Team Zurich. Canada, though. Sure. Is it like a K? He's actually the son of Craig McTavish, former coach. No, he's the son of Dale McTavish. Oh, okay. Well, I oh, guess my notes tables. are bad. Jesus. Jesus it says right here on EP, Father Dale McTavish. <laughs> well, you're right. Okay, so that's his, is that his uncle then? Uh, I don't know. He sa- It says he plays with a Swiss player license and doesn't count against the foreign contingent in Switzerland. I don't even know what that yeah, means. Yeah, but if you look at his like junior... He plays for Canada. He's an assistant captain for Team Canada. So yes. what I don't... He's all over the place. So here's the thing, and Rohan brought this up: is a lot of people have McTavish in because of recency bias, what he's done recently, which is okay. It's shown it's that he's progressing exactly, and what he's done in the tournament too. He was great. So you have him mocked as high as five by EP, and you have him mocked as low as twenty nine by Dauber. But I, that's an old mock, and I think Tony would move him up quite a bit. Now, based on his, right now, his notes to us. Go ahead, tweet at him, and we'll see if he comes back Doing by the it. time. Let's see if he does it by the time we're done. You do it. I'm talking. So we're gonna, Enhance. Uh, so he uh, has a January birthday. Like I said, six foot two, 207 pounds. He's a big boy. Big boy. And it shows because he uses the body. The one quote EP has on him is McTavish thrives on finding space. Those instincts combined with a booming shot will allow him to pile up goals at any level. My notes on McTavish... Uh, I have leadership qualities, absolute sniper with the most accurate shot I've seen in this class. Quickly rose to the prominence and got time with the men in the Swiss League during COVID. Wore the C for Team Canada in juniors and in this past tournament. In the World Junior Championship, he, wore, he was the captain of Team Canada and had 11 points in seven games. So uh, in, in the Swiss League, he had 11 points in 13 games playing against men. And his, this last season in Peterborough Peets 2019-20, he had 42 points in 57 games. So he's, I mean, been on a tear. And, and I don't know why, but uh, it, I'll take it. And if you want a high-scoring, high-power, high-octane center with leadership qualities, which seems like what kind of team they're building high iq leadership qualities you look at um making larkin the captain you look at bringing a guy like cider who will in in no time probably have an a you could draft someone like mctavish and could end up being a better center than dylan larkin and if you're trying to find a true one c with mctavish's offensive upside he may be able to displace larkin or at least be a 1A, 1B with Larkin. 
And every video that I watched of him, I mean, just he jumps. He jumps off the reel because he's constantly the center of the play. And he's mm-hmm. constantly making things happen, whether it's causing disruption, whether it's scoring a goal, whether it's a really good setup pass. He's he's making things happen every play I see him out there. And rarely did I see a clip where he falls. And I think that is kind of mentioned in a lot of these other quotes we got. So someone like Will says a rare safe pick this year and could go very high thanks to a well-rounded 200-foot work-based game driven with speed and dual-threat offense. One of the most improved players year over year and improved significantly as he played in Switzerland. Upside is questionable as a truly elite talent, but there are a few true weaknesses to his game. And that's kind of what I saw was every time I watched, there wasn't one thing where I said, wow, why did he do that? Yeah, I think to add on to that, I mean, one of the things that many different people have said about him is he is a lethal goal scorer. Yep. And what does Detroit lack? And we said moment? it last week, and we've said it for weeks and weeks and weeks. How long have we said the, the horse is dead. It's pretty much turned into grass at this point. We have a bottle of glue much, that used to yeah. be the horse. <laughs> so <laughs> ha- having a guy like this come in, he, like you said, he's 6'2", 207. He, yeah, he, he's an elite offensive talent that Detroit needs. He's effective in all three zones of the ice. He can, I think for me, when I was watching the way he played and kind of the size and what he can do, I think my comparable, uh, even though it's more, you can take it as you will, but I, I, I see TJ Oshie when I watch him play hockey, especially the way he kind of sneaks his way into the slot to go for a shot or a one-timer or something along those lines. And he, he's great inside and tight on the net. He's strong in the puck. He can also play out on the wing. But I think my happy point of it all is that he's NHL ready for size. He's already been playing yeah. in a men's league yep. with playing in the Swiss league this past year because of the, the whole issue in Canada. With, was he WHL or OHL? OHL. He played for Peterborough. Yeah, so yeah, sorry. Um, so that part to me, he knows what it's going to take essentially. So if he can transfer that over to the NHL, uh, maybe two years down the road, within the, maybe not even that long. Because, like I said, he's NHL ready size. Now, can he just put it all together and use that against other men, NHL men or AHL men? Because sure. if he can do that within a year, that speeds up the timeline like no other. Because I don't think, yeah, he's since he's OHL, he's not going to be able to play. He'd have to be Detroit or back back there, correct? Yeah, for the next couple of years, right? Yeah, uh, yeah you have to be 20 or complete uh, four years. Yeah, so I don't know. I, my stat line cuts off after, before 1920. So how long has he been with Peterborough? Uh, he was with Peterborough for one year. Mm-hmm. All right, so 1920, we, right? Yeah. Unless he goes the – I could see, see, here's where his size and what he can do and the fact that he's already played in the Swiss League. Here's where you, you can You want to go the Michael Rasmussen route? Yes, exactly. Where you just leave him up, you're likely going to have the roster spots, you're going to need a center, you bury him down low, let him kind of float between the wing and center. But he's Uh, better. The thing is, you can do that because he's better than a Michael Rasmussen. That's the thing. And that's where it might not be a bad thing to just bring him in. He's got the experience. And what I liked about him, and I think we kind of touched, we hinted at this before, 
is he's wore the C for Team Canada. I think Greg, you've mentioned it. So he he he's a leader in that yep. in that sense. So Detroit, they've got players that can fit that mold with him. Yeah, bring him under his wing. That's where he'd be a great fit with Larkin. Yeah, let Delano, Larkin train Raz. What all those guys can do together. Let let him get in there with Larkin because. And the biggest thing is that I think really the only thing I didn't I wasn't a fan of from what I watched is he's not the fastest guy in the ice, but you can work on that and get sure. him up to where you need to be. Everything else, it's just there. Well, look what and Rasmussen also, did. Exactly how he how much better he's gotten on the boards. How he now takes two strides and he's all the way down the freaking ice. So, and side note, well, he's such a big a guy, tw- you know, just work yeah. with the stride and and kind of figure it out that way. Yeah. Tony said he is no longer number 29. His quote was, no, not even close, much yep. higher. Much, Great. much higher. Yeah, so, Tony, Tony's yeah. actual quote is, McTavish is a strong and sturdy forward who can play center or wing and brings a nice balance of power and finesse. His ability around the net is, un, uh, is matched by almost no one in the draft class, and his shot from a distance is among the best as well. He can be a bit hulking in his skating stride, but there has been notable improvement there, leading to a belief that center could be his future position. With a strong two-way game, one of the best cycle games in the class, and his goal-scoring ability, it's no wonder McTavish has skyrocketed up the boards. And and that is, like I said, you're getting a lot of, on EP, when you look at EP ratings, you're getting a lot of stuff that could be it could be two months old. And I wouldn't be surprised if if all of them had McTavish mm-hmm. in the top 10 uh, with yeah, their I think the final rankings. Th- out of all of those, like EP's got him at five, and then Central Scouting for North American skaters, he's number two. So right there, I think when yep. he's number two in the NA, in the North American, and is that Central's Scouting, final? That's huge. Is that their um, final ranking? I'd have to go back to his. Page I thought it was. Yeah, sure. I thought I saw it earlier. It like it On was. a side note, I fucking love these Golden Knights pregame intro things. Oh, they're so crazy. They are goddamn. They just had a knight pull a sword out of a stone, like. <laughs> That's fucking amazing. And they all skate out of a giant helmet that's lowering itself to the ice right now. That's just, that's awesome. No, they're, fuck, they're, fuck the on-ice holographic shit. Get me a guy pulling a sword out of a stone. I love when they, that first year they had like actual duels and battles out there. Yeah, great. Show you, and if they make it to the finals, I'll do that. They'll show them like stabbing the mascot, a dollar store version of their mascot on the ice. Like it'll be amazing. But back to so Mason McTavish. Re- so Tyler. for reference... Owen Power is the only player ahead of McTavish, and McTavish is ahead of Kent Johnson. Luke For North Hughes, American skating. Maddie Bernier's. Really? Brant Clark is number seven. Really? Yep. Ahead mm-hmm. of? Okay. Beniers. Beniers. Maddie Beniers. Beniers. Maddie Beniers. Maddie Beniers. Dylan Gunther's <laughs> number five on their list. Yeah, I kind of went back and forth with Max about Dylan Gunther. He thinks Dylan Gunther is a top five pick. But I think McTavish, I hope he's there. That's the thing is, there's a lot of guys that I'm like, I hope they're there at six. Like Kent Johnson, I hope he's there at six. Mason McTavish, I hope he's there at six. There's another guy I would talk about, Chaz Lucius. I hope he's there at six. And and one of them will be. And that's the exciting thing is we're getting an amazing prospect at six. Like just an amazing prospect. Tyler, what what do you got? This draft is uh, is wide, wide, well, wildly underrated, I feel like. I feel well, like there's going to be a lot of gems in this draft. And, yes, I know what you're going to say. It's, it's, it it's unknown, really. Past, well, yeah, no, I would say it it's fun. good. Past 20, it drops oh. off, I think, significantly. Yeah, I mean, that's that's fair. But, I mean, I still think there's going to be guys that – 
probably should have went in the first round that end up going in the sure. second round and becoming, you know, impact players in the league. What I'm going to say about Mason McTavish, and I'm not going to really reiterate too much what you guys said, but I mean, his body is huge. I mean, six two two zero seven. I mean, big. he's a big boy, and he, he, from what I saw, he's kind of lumberish. But I mean, it looks like he can skate. He's not the worst skater I've ever seen. No. Like Quentin Byfield isn't the fastest guy in the world, and and he played in the AHL this past year and actually got some NHL time. So I I don't see where the difference is between those two. Although I think Quentin Byfield is six six or something. So, but I mean, from what I saw, he looked like a guy that could put the puck in the net. I mean, he's got a great shot. It's unbelievable how quickly he gets it. Um, gets it off the stick there, and he can. Mm-hmm. I I feel like he could be the steal of the draft, honestly, from what I saw, um, video wise. I didn't really go into a lot of like scouting report and stuff like that, but video wise, he just looked like a guy that was polished and ready to score thirty goals in the NHL, and and that is something that the Red Wings need. Um, you can tell me all about Zadina, and you can tell me all about Fabry, and you can tell me all about Bertuzzi, and and these guys, but nobody could put the puck in the back of the net like a Lucas Raymond, like a Mason McTavish, like a Kent mm-hmm. Johnson. I think all of these guys are going to be impact players, but not only just impact, but goal scorers at the next level. And that's what the Red Wings need. Dylan Larkin's a good player, but I think his ceiling for goals in a, with a really good team is probably only like 30, 35 goals. But that's not the worst thing in the world. That's like a Patrice Bergeron kind of um, you know, centerpiece. And a lot of people have made that kind of comparison. He's very responsible defensively. He doesn't wow you with everything in the world, but he gets it done. And yes, he's super fast. So obviously everybody sees that, but he's a leader. And, and, uh, you know, a lot of people said that about Bergeron. So, I mean, the one thing I see with McTavish is, is absolutely captain material or maybe not captain material, but, but Leadership. definitely leader material yeah. in the, uh, the dressing room there. I mean, like I said, he could be the steal of the draft. He really could. And he, he a lot of people are saying he could go in the top 10. Hell, he could go in the, the, the second 10. He could go from 10 to 20, somewhere around there. Really? So, I mean, you don't, you hmm. don't, you really don't know with this draft. There's a lot of good players. You look at some of the mock drafts, and yeah, they have them in the top 10, but then there's some that you see them in the top 15. Or even the top 20. So, I mean, you really don't know. And, I mean, remember what Steve Eisenman said about with Anzer Khan basically just kind of challenging him <laughs> and saying, him. I don't know who's going. Who's going? Who do you think's going? So, I mean, that's the one thing about this draft that I would temper people's expectations about. But it'll still make it fun. Yeah. I, still- I think with McTavish, in your comparison, like, to Dylan Larkin, Dylan Larkin's a playmaker. And if mm-hmm. you could get... Well, that's what I'm saying. He's a goal scorer. Sure. McTavish. Yeah, if you could get Dylan Larkin as as a center on the top and play, be a playmaker to really good goal scorers, and you could get McTavish as a second center who's a really good goal scorer to take kind of maybe some heat off of your second-line wingers and be able to put in that extra offense, and then maybe have Joe Valeno as your third-line center, it, you're you're building the future team. And I think center, I think forward is the way we have to go in this draft for our first pick. Even though we put someone like Luke Hughes on there, because if he's there, it's really hard to pass him up. Mm -hmm. But I think you need to go forward because you need to complete the front of the ice. We've shown that we've been able to improve our defense. 
plus our defensive pipeline is really nice right now. We've got good pieces that can come in, even though we're a little light on left D. But I think you need to get some more quality forwards for when the Franz Nielsens are gone, for when uh, contracts run out and you're getting rid of some of these lesser players. You want to come to a situation where you're playing a second-line player on the third line or you're playing a, a third-line player on the fourth line because you've got so many good forwards. And that's the point I think we need to get to. And that's where I mean, I look think, at Tampa. Yeah, absolutely. They're they're playing. Yanni Gord's playing on the third line. Yanni Gord could probably be a first line, first line or second line winger at any other team. Sure. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're Tampa's also playing with a hundred million dollar roster. So. Yeah. Well. But I, I I think the last thing I'll say on it is the last time we had a chance to get a guy that had one of the best shots in the draft. Now, granted, it turned out to be because they drafted Cider, but it was called Cole Caulfield. Yeah. Yep. And we already see what the impact that he is making in the NHL. So if this is the case and this is the type of player that we get. And he's he a and center. I, yep. And and likely NHL ready. Yep. Yes. Yeah, I'll okay. do it. I'll take it. Now, now is he going to play in the NHL next season if the Red Wings draft him? Probably yeah. not. I mean, they'll probably give him at least a half a year in Grand Rapids. True. But like I, I said. I could buy that. Like I said, I'd be surprised if any player from this draft plays next like it's on opening night roster next season but mctavish is probably as close as anyone out there right now so i think that covers it i think mctavish to me real real exciting prospect and if he's there at six i think he him or kent johnson or these other guys that we mentioned great picks we're gonna get a good player regardless but i think we're gonna move on to Chaz lucius now, one, Chaz, one thing real quick before you move on, check out, if you haven't, for those that have an athletic subscription, Max had a great article post today uh, going in-depth on McTavish as well. So really? I highly recommend reading that. Yep. Props to Max. He knew what we were going to talk about tonight. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> so We're going to move on to Chaz Lucius, also a center. EP has him listed at six foot, 172 pounds. He's a May birthday, so he just turned 18. So he's younger. Uh, they have him ranked anywhere as low or as high as six by McKean's and as low as 18, no, 19 by neutral zone. 25 by Smart Scouting. Uh, really? Yep. At least that was from, Smart unless this changed. No, this they've, got, my... they've got 12 by Smart Scouting now. By oh, so this Smart, is updated. Since, Smart moved is this a Boston 12. podcast now or what? I'm, Jesus I'm pretty Christ. Sure. Yeah, they got okay, the, the, so Smart, the Smart Scouting. Has, Needs updated then. Okay. Yeah, they he got him ranked 12 by Smart. Uh, but it says, <laughs> EP says, Lucius is a high-octane offensive player. I feel like it was a fucking mob. Lucius is a high-octane <laughs> offensive player with exceptional problem-solving skills, a threat with the puck anywhere in the offensive zone. Uh, Lucius combines crafty hands with quick release on his shot to make for a goal-scoring weapon. My notes on Chaz Lucius. Absolutely lethal shot, good at the screen, and will muck it up in front of the net. Chris passes to the slot from the corners. His physicality in taking guys off the puck and causing turnovers is an incredible asset. Uh, acceleration could use some work, and he needs to get his feet moving. Those are my notes on Lucius. Again, he's 172, so he's still light. He's mm-hmm. a right-hand shot. He is an American-born player. Uh, right now, he plays for the United States National Development Team, uh, mm-hmm. under-18 yep. team. Uh, he is committed to the University of Minnesota for next year. Minnesota. Yeah, Minnesota. Yeah, that he's an interesting one because I mean he's a good size, but he looks like he needs to fill out a little bit. He's only at one seventy 
or so. Well, yeah. I think it was one like seventy four, one seventy two. I j- literally just said one seventy two. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, my bad. The the one thing that sticks out about him, I mean, he went through an injury and he looked and, and still had a pretty decent season, given yep. the fact that he was recovering from an injury. Um, he's he's got a qu- another. You talk about another guy that's a pure goal scorer, quick release. His skating could use a little bit of work, from what I've seen, and defensively as well. Uh, but. I mean, he projects to be more of a center slash winger, at least in the early part of his career. I think he'll probably be playing center at the University of Minnesota, at least to begin. And, uh, you know, maybe in the NHL become a winger because he's not as defensively responsible as other players that we've talked about. Um, And I would say just because he's a college player, he's probably only a couple of years away from the NHL, which, you know, I mean, in a rebuild right now with the Red Wings, I mean, I guess it kind of makes sense. Yep. Um, and the other thing I would say, and this is kind of a question for you guys, when was the last time the Red Wings had a good right-handed center? I think it was Steve Eisenman. I don't, Ooh. I mean, I don't really track the handedness of our centers over time. Well, Zetterberg you and Datsuk were both left-handed. You mean a goal-scoring right-handed center, right? We're not talking about... Uh, You're talking about a, a top six right-handed center. Right-handed center. Uh, it has to be Steve Eisenman, unless someone has any other suggestions but i mean those teams the the 2008 team i think only had like one righty on the whole team or something like that right-handed <laughs> shots are kind of hard i mean and they have been hard to come by good right-handed shots have been hard to come by no matter their position forward or defense and that's it's true and you get them in they're like the holy grail you hold them high and you hope they do really well uh so some of the other scouting reports we have on lucius so we have dylan krill who heavily scouts the ushl he says Lucius arguably has the highest offensive ceiling in this draft with lethal shot and great vision. He consistently creates high danger chances. He could work on his skating to improve his quickness and explosiveness to separate from opponents. We also had Tony uh, say Chaz Lucius missed the start of the year with a lower body injury, but the young American put on a show when he rejoined the NTDP in February. He put up a goal per game in 13 games this year. Thanks to his incredibly crafty hands and unreal release. His skating can be refined to make him a bit more of a threat in transition and round out his overall mobility, but his ability to get to the spots in the offensive zone is uncanny. A pure offensive weapon that likely moves to the wing at the next level. So again, you'll get a winger, but if you get an insanely skilled winger, like a Cole Caulfield type shot, and you put him on the top, you have Verona Larkin, Chaz Lucius. Like, what are you going to do? Or Zadina, Larkin, Lucius. What are you going to do? Nothing wrong with that. Tyler, by the way, to answer your decent right-handed shot question at center, I think the most recent relevant player was Robert Lang. (laughs) And that was like, what, 2002, 2003? Yeah. 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 So your last amazing right-handed center is Steve Eisenman. Early to mid-2000s. That's a so, long time. So Eiserman <laughs> is still the more accurate answer. Yep. Yep. Ryan, Chaz Lucius. He's good. He's hard on the puck. <laughs> Thanks. That's all you need next. We're going to go on to our <laughs> That's it. All right, boys. See you later. <laughs> hey, you got the great talk, boys. Uh, no, I, I, I think what's nice about Lucius is, like you said, my notes here, he's hard on the puck. But what's fantastic about him is he, is a qu- he has a qu- quick and accurate wrister. He... It, so I actually messed up my quote earlier. So the lethal goal scorer 
was for Chaz Lucius, not Mason McTavish, but it could also I really could be applied way. to both. Yep. But that is a quote that I actually had that I pulled out. So he has he's great mobility. Uh, I know Tyler, you just mentioned he had that lower body injury, so he still can move around yeah. the ice pretty well. But I think one of the things you mentioned, I think from Tony, was that he needs to use his teammates a bit better, and he has room for improvement on the defensive side of things. So I think if this is your pick, it turns into a project. And I could see him being at Minnesota potentially for a couple of seasons, like two to three. And then they finally sign him and bring him over, depending on how the roster shakes out. But I think what's important is he – one thing I pulled from Scott Powers at The Athletic is, quote, skills coach Nick Quinn of Power Edge Pro, who has also worked with top NHL draft picks, Owen Power and Cole Sillinger, uh, thinks Lucius's skill makes him a top – five to 10 pick in 2021 all day long. So the skill is there. How can he turn into a complete player? I think is going to be the biggest question mark and thing to figure out for him as he moves along. I think going to Minnesota this next season will be huge for him to kind of figure that out and try to understand what he needs to do, especially if they're going to be playing against the likes of top tier talent in Michigan again. So there's a lot of upside, but I think he's more of a project center pick than, say, a McTavish where he could likely come in and potentially make an impact almost immediately. Yeah, it's a fair point. I mean, you know, him going to the University of Minnesota, I mean, they've they've developed some tremendous talent over the years. I mean, it's kind well, of gone yeah, by they're the one wayside of the better a little school. bit. Consistently, yeah. Yeah, no, they are. They are. I'm just saying it's kind of gone by the wayside over the last couple of years, but... It, they kind of they kind of go up and down and and you know with them it's it's more about winning a national championship they haven't they haven't done it consistently like the folks there would like them to but i mean he's going to be a tremendous player he's going to be a big asset to that minnesota team and uh i mean i'd love to see the wings pick him i don't know if i'd necessarily want him to be picked at 6 though given the choice of of the the choices that we've already talked about I think the thing with him is that if he wasn't injured, he probably would have. He probably would be higher mocked on a lot of different. Could he fall to twenty two? Potentially. <sighs> that's and if he does, I have a real hard time at twenty two because that's. I mean, you're getting a, a top talent. Then you're getting a guy who probably should have been a top ten pick if he's there at twenty two. So we've also got notes from Draft Prospects Hockey at Draft Pro Hockey. Basically, they do a prospect yearbook, and we got their prospect yearbook, and they say on Chaz Lucius, his main strength is goal scores, instinct, NHL-level shot, puck control, and skilled hands. His main weaknesses, first step quickness, durability, and knee injury concerns. So that could put teams off him. And if he is there at 22, I mean, what do you, what do, you do? They give an, they give an NHL-style comp on him, and his NHL-style comp is Phil Kessel. And if you're getting an early Phil Kessel <laughs> minus the hot dogs, you're you're getting a damn good player. Yeah. Phil Kessel also went to the University of Minnesota. Did he? Oh, well, well, well. Yes, he did. Picked I for like I think it was fifth overall by the Bruins in two thousand and Phil Kessel, Captain America. Six, seven, something like that. And if I go to Mason McTavish, oh my god, this picture of Mason McTavish is hilarious. He has one of the curliest afros I've ever seen in my life. Oh, he's got the lettuce? 
uh, it's I don't know, man, what you would call this, <laughs> but his NHL style comp they gave him is Austin Matthews. So oh god, he doesn't have a mustache, does he? He the the slightest of one. Oh no. Yeah, but his his NHL comp is Austin Matthews, and that's actually real exciting. Wait, so like the compare like playing comparable player comp d- Austin Matthews. Main strength, NHL-ready shot, highly competitive, physical, 200-foot game. Main weakness, first-step quickness, needs more strength for his play style. That's it. Austin Matthews isn't the fastest guy in the world. No. Um, he's, so, good. he's a good skater. He's, he's good at the 10-2, and two and he's good at he's still you know, shielding the puck. He's powerful. But I think what everyone, like, like, just people that watch hockey don't realize, like, they're like, oh, well, that guy's really fast, but, like, like, you think about like Nathan McKinnon, right? Like he's fast, but he's not just fast. He's fucking powerful. Like you, like I've been to a game where I'm like five rows off the ice and you see that guy in person and he like cuts into the ice. He's just like so powerful. And then you think of a guy like, I don't know, think of just like a fast, like Michael Grabner, Darren Helm, like they're fast, but they're not like super powerful. Like, I don't know. That's, that's kind of what I see. One of the fastest guys in hockey for a bit. Right, but I'm 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 yes, he was. You'd have like four or five breakaways a game. <laughs> okay, but I'm okay. I'm like making a comparison to like McKinnon how like fucking like I don't know, power like even McDavid, same thing, powerful. Very powerful. Like you see how they get down low and just they, so, they just dig so into much the power. ice. There's just so much yeah. power. Well <laughs> power. you guys know what I'm talking about. Power. Yeah. Owen power. <laughs> well so that that's I mean Chaz Lucius I think if he's there, he's in consideration for a number six pick because just because of the shot that he has. And again, if he moves to wing and doesn't have the defensive responsibility, I, you just let him shoot if, if teams, you know, will end up doing that. And I laugh because I say that and then you watch how they play Patrick Line. But if teams would just let them shoot, then then they oh, what a goal. Jesus. All right, whatever. Flurry just got his pants taken off, but uh, yeah. So they by would ta-ta. just no by Katkaniemi. <laughs> uh, oh no! If they would just let players play their offensive game, then then a lot of teams would be far better off. But that's the kind of thing. If you can move him to wing, move him to wing, let him score goals. So the last guy we're going to talk about tonight is who I a pick I think that would be good at number twenty two, and we only had two scouts that would uh would, felt comfortable enough scouting goalies. So at 22, I think we take someone like Sebastian Casa. You want your top goalie, you get someone like Casa. He's not yes for Wallstedt, um but he's close enough. So Casa, my notes on him, calm and controlled, makes calculated movements, big and fills up a lot of the net but also athletic enough to make sprawling saves, doesn't have to move far to hit the posts. That's the thing. So if you look at him, he's six foot six, two hundred and twelve pounds. He's a big boy. Right now, he plays for the Edmonton <laughs> Oil Kings in the WHL. He's got to go. Um, the notes we have on him, we got we got Tony to tell us a little bit about Sebastian Casa, the best goaltender of the last three years that isn't the big three of Knight, Askarov, and Wallstedt. He's probably closer to that group than the field, but he isn't quite the same level of goaltender yet. He dominated a poor division in the WHL this season on a loaded Oil Kings team and possesses the size and length that NHL scouts uh, and teams drool over in net at 6'6". 
He has improved his fluidity and post-integration over the last year, and he should be worth a pick towards the end of the first round, which is where the Red Wings are picking. The point <laughs> that ahead. you made about how how good he is and how big he is going side to side, I, that's something I noticed. Um, he's For being 6'6", six, six, he's very athletic in net. I, from what I could see, like he, he's pulling the splits. He's not letting guys get in behind him too too well. He's fantastic on the post, which I know sometimes is a question mark for some of these guys. What I mean by that is if he's down, he's tight against it. He's not letting a whole lot of room in there. Granted, he's also because he's freaking huge. But what I like to see is that it's no effort pretty much for him to go from post to post to deny it like a wraparound attempt, for instance. Yeah. Good luck getting that unless he misses a push, misses his push off and falls. That's probably about the only way you're going to score on him quickly around the net like that. But what else? Other things I, I liked about him is when there's a lot of traffic in front, he was very good at body control in the sense that he's very, he, he kept himself square on the puck as it was coming through traffic. And because he is so big, all he had to do was drop to the butterfly, get the arms out a bit, and it's likely going to hit him. Now, did it always make it through in some of the stuff that I was watching? No. But he was square, and he was able to pick the puck up quickly even if he didn't see it initially coming through. And I think that's what I was hoping to see from him is the way he tracks everything when it's going side to side behind the net. He knows what's around him, and he's not afraid to go out there and go after it now. A con I had, and uh, this is just me watching in limited uh, video that was posted, is he might be a little too overly aggressive where it pulls him out of the net, especially in the odd man rush scenario. Now, this could be just how the coaching has it set up where he's attacking the shooter and hoping that his defenders got that other guy in the, on a two-on-one. But th that's kind of my only uncertainty there. And then the only other thing I don't know anything about is how well he actually does in regards to handling the puck behind the net or in front of it, trying to get passes out and so on and so forth. I don't know if he's pulling a flurry where he can just go play everything and have the gaff <laughs> or if he's like a um, Mike Smith out there playing every single puck. I didn't see that necessarily, but I, that, that's my uncertain comment there so so, uh, so draft pros nhl style comp for him so their main strengths natural size athleticism for his height strong rebound control main weaknesses aggressiveness puck handling position uh positioning all need work huh. so his nhl style comp has been bishop so okay. I, not a bad style comp to no. have and the yeah. other quote we got on him was from Chris Peters said that a massive goalie with incredible quickness and reflexes, Casa covers, or I think it's Kosa. Kosa covers oh, so much Kosa? ground in Jesus. a hurry while often taking up a good chunk of the net. He appears to be more of a react goaltender than a read and react goalie, which may be why he doesn't look as technically sound as other top goaltenders. He can sometimes be a little bit wilder in the crease. So that is that is Chris's take on Kosa, but I mean Ben Bishop's not a bad comp. That's about the same size, and I mean Ben Bishop. I mean he went through what two or three organizations before he became the Ben Bishop that we all remember him in Tampa Bay, and then you know for a little bit in Los Angeles and Dallas. And the Ben um, Bishop that we promptly forgot about. <laughs> yeah, well, he sucks now, but I mean, whatever. He 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 had a good career. The, the one thing about that is it was like it's so hard to keep like your body 
from breaking down when you're that big. I mean, it, it obviously, you know, I mean, Char is like one example of someone that, you know, is still playing and doing it at a high level. But I mean, as a goalie, you know, you're going down on those knees, like all the time like that. It's like, you know, eventually, you know, you're bound to have some issues, but I mean, from what I saw, he looked like he moved pretty well. Ryan, like you kind of said, he looked a little over aggressive for my liking, but again, that could, could have something to do with the goalie uh, goalie coach that he's dealing with or mm-hmm. or maybe even the, the you know the, the system the defensive system that they're working on or whatever he's not as bad but, as Mrazic was I'll put it that let's no, put it that way no and I hope he doesn't play the puck like Mrazic does that that's one thing well, that I talk hope. about that. but um uh, from what I see he could be a franchise goaltender I don't know it, that he's in the you know class of um you know, um, Askarov, Askarov, or Spencer Knight. Um, Spencer Knight, or anything like that. But I mean, I think he's probably close. I mean, from what I saw, he looked like he moved well. Looked like he tracked the pucks well. He was a little aggressive, like I said. But I mean, didn't look like he took too many risks. I mean, in terms of turning the puck over. Like I said, very limited video that I saw. But I mean, for the most part, he looked like a pretty good product. Obviously. Any goalie that you take, even if you were to take Volstead at the sixth overall pick, I mean, they're going to take time. And, I mean, goaltenders take time. Even, like, Carter Hart, you know, didn't he spend some time in the AHL? So, I mean, yeah, like you, what, you, one season? it's just, yeah. yeah I mean, if you're, if even, you're taking even a then, goalie six overall, your expectation is at some point next season he's in the NHL. Yeah, but that's not happening, though. That doesn't happen in this league. Which is why we're not we taking a goalie that. at six. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, not. I'm not saying that that's going to happen. I'm just saying that any goalie that you take in the first round or anywhere in the draft is right. not going to be on the team next After year season, and most likely me, me, not on the team. Yeah. So yeah. that's all I'm saying. And uh, by the way, Greg, I got a, a quick comment about your goal for Kot Kikaniemi. Yeah. It was actually a save right before that. I was like, wait, no way. Yeah, and no, it was a it. great backhand in. Yeah. So He's he actually had a really good playoff for the Habs. Don't give him credit. <laughs> yeah, no, he will forever be done. <laughs> um, okay, yeah. I'm not in this Twitter feud with you and the Habs fans. I don't oh, mind I'm in talking no to me. It's just we stoke the fires and then let Rohan take over. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Well, I think that's that's all we can say about <laughs> Kosa. And before we get smoten, smited, smoten, what by Australia before Australia Can- lays before, before Australia lays the hammer on us, the ban hammer. Hey, I have I have jerseys for them, so they can't. We're, we're immune to any of the bullshit. We have like an Australian force field. <laughs> it's great. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I think that does it for our prospect roundup for tonight. Uh, maybe we'll take some requests from people on Twitter about prospects not all other people are talking about. I know Martin asked if we were going to talk about someone. There's a few people that have mentioned a few other prospects that maybe not a lot of other people are talking about. Maybe we'll take a look at them and we'll see yeah, where it goes good. from there. But I'll we will have some guests lined up. I know that, um, let's see, who was it? It was Draft Pro asked to come on the show, so that's cool. We'll have someone probably from Draft Pro on the show. We Deal. are going to have another guest come up, uh, just getting dates figured out. And, and we've got some, some people coming on the podcast to talk Red Wings hockey and the draft. 
Um, but that's going to do it for us tonight. And I want to do final thoughts. First, we're going to go with Ryan. Uh, final thoughts. I, I know we basically touched on it, but the the sixth pick is super intriguing. And I think, Tyler, you said earlier tonight, there's a lot of talent here that maybe we don't know about. Granted, we've said it over and over. It's because of the situation. It's kind of an easy way out to say, oh, I'm not really sure who might be there. But there's everyone that we've talked about so far. Is there a sleeper out there? There's Obviously, there's a chance it's that could happen. Probably several. Yeah, but a, a lot of the guys we've already gone through, any one of them will be an impactful player on this Detroit Red Wings team within the next two to three years, three years at the max. If they're not here after, the, after at least a season, I'd be very surprised because so many of these dudes, they've got the height, sort of, for the most part. I mean, a couple of them we talked were 5'10". They'll get past that because we're seeing how the NHL has shifted. As long as you've got your skill and can be strong in the puck, you're going to make things happen. And I think all the forwards that we've looked at especially have that type of ability. And that, I think, is what makes has me most excited. Sorry. I yeah, I agree. So it's uh, – it's, I like – I think the McTavish one is the most intriguing to me. And I, if, if all else fails, if that's who the pick is, I think I like it the most because the potential is there to be in the NHL the soonest. I just hope it's in the right scenario – where he's set up for success and he's not overwhelmed. Though I think that because he's played in the men, um, a men league, men's league already, that's where we could see more of an impact right out the gate versus some of these other guys where we might have to wait for a season or we see them in some garbage cleanup time, maybe after the college year is over, AHL season's done, and then we bring him in to like the last nine, ten games of the year or whatever. So it's, it, it's exciting, and I'm, I'll leave it at that. Already Ryan 33. Yeah, my final thoughts are, um, you know, this draft is going to be very intriguing. I mean, there's, um, you know, it would be it would be stupid for us to just come on here and say, oh, well, we we think this guy's going here and we know this guy's going. I mean, and the reality is, is I mean, there's going to be a lot of surprises in this draft. We're just trying to do the best that we can to figure out, you know, kind of put the puzzle pieces together and see if we can come up with who we think is going to be drafted. We all know Steve Eisenman is the guy that is not going to show his hand. He's not even going to tell you. And, you know, you're lucky he tells you when the player actually gets drafted. <laughs> but um, I don't know. I mean, th this draft is going to be fascinating. The expansion draft and just this offseason in general is going to be huge for the Red Wings. So, I'm excited. You should be. Just uh, as my message is always, continue watching hockey. The playoffs have been fantastic. And you can follow me on Twitter at SealDog91. Thanks for listening. Yeah, my final thoughts are going to be, if you could please leave us a review on uh, Apple Podcasts or whatever the fuck they call it now, that would be great. If you listen on Spotify, if you could drop us a follow, that would also be great. It uh, helps us in our rankings. It also helps us get sponsorship deals and, and prove numbers to sponsors. So that would be cool. Thank you. You can follow me online at Bringing the Wing. You can follow the Grindline Podcast online at Grindline Pod. You can find our podcasts wherever there are podcasts really now. If we're not where you listen to podcasts, let me know. I will get us there. 
You can uh, find our merch at redbubble.com by searching The Grind Line. If you go to howieshockeytape.com and use promo code GRINDLINE at checkout, you get 10% off your order. If you use that same promo code to bring hockey back, you get 12% off. We also can give a shout out to Founders, who's the official beer of The Grind Line podcast, and to the Hockey Podcast Network at HockeyPodNet on Twitter uh, for hosting us. You can also find a bunch of other content there from other teams' podcasts. Great group of guys, fun to talk to. Uh, They also put out a bunch of really good content. We're also going to have some uh, promotions coming up soon, so stay tuned to Twitter and Instagram. If you can follow us on Instagram at GrindlinePod, that's a big help. I think we're going to do some Instagram-specific giveaways uh, there too, but we do have some cool stuff coming up, some good guests and some giveaways in mind. Uh, But that's going to do it for us tonight. So for Ryan and Tyler, I am Greg. You stay classy, Hockey Town.